Welcome, everyone, to our Christmas special of Platonically Intimate. I'm your co-host and co-producer, Joe. Sitting across from me, as usual, is... It's Isaac. No way. <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, we're excited to be back in the studio making another episode, and mm -hmm. what better time of year to do it than in the magical time of Christmas and other holidays? Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to get us started with our first mildly Christmas-themed segment. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we find out what the segment actually is, I've got a question for you, Joe. Oh. What are your thoughts? Is this another pop quiz? No. Good. You can, you can take this question however you want. What okay. are your thoughts on the Polar Express? The movie? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... I think it is a wholesome family movie that I quite enjoyed, but I don't think I could ever watch it again because now it kind of creeps me out. Good. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Are you going to talk about... I think I know. Okay. Continue. What was your guess? Uncanny Valley. You're right. Oh, you are right. Go. So, a few weeks ago, um, I, I now live in a city, which is new to me, and I'm, I'm back at my parents' place, which is why Joe and I are able to record right now. But um, at this movie theater, we have they will occasionally play movies that are not new. And so they had some Christmas Saturdays and I went to one viewing of the Polar Express with nice. some of my friends. And yeah, some of them were not interested in going because they were like, that movie is terrifying. Have, and, you, have you seen it before? Yes. Okay. Yes. Polar Express um, actually, I think was the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater. Oh, wow. In 2004, um, I was five years old. Just a wee little boy. Wow. I think one of mine was the first Toy Stories. Okay. Nice. So, uh, yeah, The Polar Express is a very controversial movie. A lot of people think it's a great movie. A lot of people mm -hmm. hate watching it. <laughs> so, um, the, the term Uncanny Valley was first created in 1970 um, by Masahiro Mori, a Japanese robotic scientist. Um, he was interested in Uncanny Valley or what became to be known as that, because mm. in the process of building robots and looking at designs and things like that, some of the people he knew got kind of freaked out by things that looked almost human. Um, and the example that he used in his first studies of trying to like quantify and understand what this was were Bunraku dolls, which are a Japanese doll. Um, I would encourage you to look up a picture of them. I'm going to try and use examples that you will recognize, but this one is important because it's the first example. So right. <laughs> um, look up a Bunraku doll. You will see what he was talking about. And <laughs> they are freaky. Um, it was translated into English. It, it's kind of a weird word in Japanese, so we, right. didn't, we didn't like use it. Um, it was translated to English by Jaja Reichart in 1978 um, as Uncanny Valley, which as I do not believe I've actually described yet is not. the eerie feeling that you get when something appears almost human. So in the Polar Express, um, they actually used actors with a bunch of like nodes attached to their bodies to track their movements and then animated over top of those designs. And so um, it's very realistic, but so also it, you can tell it's fake. Yeah, I was going to say, you can tell it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, but something feels off. Yep. It's very interesting. Because it doesn't quite look exactly like Tom Hanks, but it also doesn't look like a caricature of him that's no. <laughs> very clearly not human. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Uncanny Valley, there are, there are some 
critics of this theory. They they say that it's not even real, or Ooh. that for some reasons um, it's actually not as severe as people claim it is. Okay. Um, and some people also say that it's kind of made up because robots are made up, which is a horrible that's, argument. That's a yeah, but hard stance. <laughs> Uncanny Valley was first described in 1839 by Whoa. Charles Darwin. What? Um, he was looking at a snake, and in his journal, he wrote about the. It looks terrifying because he can see it as a human face and oh. can tell that it is not. And so he obviously did not use that word. Right. Um, Probably didn't use the Japanese word either. No, no he did not. So, um, Uncanny Valley, there are a couple of reasons that people think it works or not works, but a couple of reasons that people think you get freaked out by the way things can look. Right. The first one is mating. People think that if something looks real but is not, you're going to get tricked. Okay. So it's it's some type of false attraction. Okay. Um, that is actually meant to deceive you. Some people claim that Uncanny Valley scares you because it reminds you of your mortality mm. in kind of a roundabout way. Some people claim that Uncanny Valley freaks you out because social norms are not met by the creatures that you're viewing. If you're looking at a doll or a robot, it will not respond to you in the same way as a person. Right. Even though it looks like it should. And that kind of explains why you can get to the other side of Uncanny Valley. Yes. If that doll who looks a lot like a person also acts identically like a person, you'd be like, your brain would start thinking like, oh, this is a person. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to a person. Yeah, yeah. So... Man, I did a terrible job of describing this to start us off, but <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you imagine a graph, um, the y-axis is how comfortable you are with that, and the x-axis is how much it looks like a human. Mm -hmm. If you start at zero, zero, it doesn't look like a human, and you're not, you don't like trust it. It's, like your Roomba. It's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Mm. Um, but as it begins to look more like a human you begin to trust it more so it's kind of it's a little bit sloped almost like exponential curve yep but then when it gets really close to human likeness it tanks and drops like below zero and then as it gets back more looking humanish until you reach actual human um, it goes back up and you trust it more once again so things that exist within that valley can be spooky yeah um the next reason that people believe in uncanny valley is that it challenges your perception of what a human is. Ooh, I it's like that one. It's almost an existential crisis yeah. of, is, is this thing just as human as I am? I hate it. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, and then the last one that I'd like to mention, there are dozens Many. of theories, yeah, yeah. Um, is that recent advances in AI just have kind of scared us. That's that's a good, valid argument. Yeah, the, the downfall with this one is that Uncanny Valley was described long before AI. Right. And so it maybe makes the issue larger and right. more noticeable, but it definitely it's almost is like not. a catalyst or yeah. something added on top that mm -hmm. makes it feel more scary. So a couple of ways to counteract the Uncanny Valley and to stop people from being scared of your artwork. Don't watch Polar Express. Don't, don't watch Polar Express. Um, the first one is to match the object's appearance to its ability. Okay. The more human-like it's able to act, the more human-like it can look. Right. So if you have a doll, a porcelain doll, say, that looks extremely realistic, but can't <laughs> but move. But doesn't do anything. Bad news. Yeah. If you have a robotic arm that actually has very dexterous fingers. Yep. And it looks like a prosthetic arm, that's fine. Yeah, you can make that look human. Yeah, it's not a big deal. 
And then the other way is to make it look cartoony. If you mm-hmm. caricaturize the object, it will stop scaring people because they can tell it's not real. So maybe your porcelain oh, doll yeah. has giant ears. Right. That would actually help it not be as scary. That's a that's a great example. Just mm-hmm. like if Polar Express went for like a more cartoony, like modern Pixar yeah. art style that's very caricaturized, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been as, I don't know why, I'm uncomfortable this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am actually going to read a couple of reviews that people wrote about the Polar Express. Okay. So here is the first one. So, the Polar Express is at best disconcerting, and at worst, a wee bit horrifying. (laughs) Alright, next one here. The Polar Express is a zombie train. (laughs) Concise. Yep. And there were only two. I thought there were three. (laughs) Man, it feels good to be, once again, feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. I know, right? Hey, it's our first episode of this year. It's true. Right back to episode one. Yeah. So, um, the company that made the Polar Express is called Image Movers. Okay. So, I went on Wikipedia to find a list of movies that have triggered people to comment on Uncanny Valley. Oh, okay. There were like 10 movies listed, including The Polar Express, A Christmas Carol, Beowulf, and Mars Needs Moms, which were all produced by Image Movers, which went bankrupt after producing Mars Needs Moms. Oh my gosh, I forgot about the movie Mars Needs Moms. I didn't like that movie. <laughs> so, um, and that's probably why. Basically, don't animate movies in this style. People will hate them. <laughs> yep. Um, I'd like to mention a couple other movies. Um, the Lion King 2019. Oh. Um, this one was actually less controversial. A lot of people said they did well enough that it didn't trigger feelings of uncanny i think so as well but um some people disagreed with that and so that was that was possibly a move in the right direction Mm -hmm. i've got a couple of moves in the wrong direction of recent movies um the movie cats from 2019 oh no (laughs) absolutely horrifying i thought i'd erase that from my memory (laughs) and then finally um a possibly even worse example, the Sonic live-action movie. Oh, before they changed everything. Yeah, Sonic actually was recreated yes. because the fans... Outrage. ...were angry when the first trailer was released. And yes. so they actually cartoonized his face to fix the issue. He still does not look particularly great, no, but he I doesn't look terrifying. Yeah. And so um, a couple of movies um, that you might have seen that also have triggered uncanny valley recently at the game awards the actor who plays sonic in that movie Mm -hmm. uh, made a joke about and thank you guys for telling us that we did sonic wrong right away (laughs) (laughs) and uh, because i'm glad we got to fix it before the movie released (laughs) yeah yeah definitely so um uncanny valley is specifically about robots but it can talk about a lot of different things um, such as art dolls and movies Um, but i'd like to take it back to robots one last time To the robot that introduced me to Uncanny Valley, Sophia. Oh. You may have heard of Sophia. She was created in 2016 by Hanson Robotics. And let me tell you, she is terrifying. Yes. So please look her up, um, some supplemental material to our podcast. Not right before you go to bed, though. (laughs) Yeah. Do it when you wake up. You need a long time to process what you'll see. Um, She is freaky. She is. So I hope you enjoy this 
as as Halloween a, Christmas episode. Yeah, I was gonna say as a pre warning, you can probably guess, but as a pre warning, Sophia has very has a very extremely human face, mm-hmm. but very unhuman reactions and yes. conversation because yes. she's uh, a computer. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, I would like to send it over for one of my favorite sections of the podcast. Oh yeah, fun facts with the Joe. Fun fact. The Earth is actually closest to the sun during January of every year. All right. Very cool. We are going to head over to our second vaguely Christmas-themed topic, which is... Love. We have the classic Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary 10th edition, which we will be reading a select few of the many, many <laughs> definitions of love in here, because that's kind of the subject we want to talk about, is the fact that love comes in many forms, mm-hmm. and those different forms fill many different roles. So, the first definition of love that we're going to go over is definition 1A1. <laughs> A strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. And an example is the love of family. This is a good example of like the love that Isaac and I share. Mm-hmm. Platonically intimate, if you yeah, will. Yeah, exactly. This, <laughs> I mean, we kind of already talked about this in like the inaugural episode yes. of platonically intimate. But um, the love you feel for family is obviously one that's very different from the other forms of love that we will talk about mm-hmm. later. All right, definition 1A2, attraction based on sexual desire. Oh, boy. Um, The example is the attraction of a lover. So this is the one we're not talking about when we say the word intimate in platonically intimate. (laughs) Correct. We are specifically not talking about that. Yeah, specifically, that is why we named it platonically intimate. (laughs) Um, This is honestly probably the most common form of love i think that a lot of people think of when they think of the word love yeah i think it's the go-to understanding yeah especially in um like america Mm -hmm. especially and i think it's interesting too because like inside of context i think it's probably the one people mean the least yeah because as you'll see as we get into more definitions there are a lot of meanings of this word and i think it's not the most common one but out of context it's the one you think of the most yeah All right, definition 1A3. Affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests, such as the love of old schoolmates or the love of a co-worker. Hmm. So this is a love that is based on um, you might have a really good job because you have a great boss, and you would say, I love my boss because they are great at what they do, and maybe you aspire to be like that Mm -hmm. slightly different from when you're talking to your boss on the phone and you accidentally say love you bye (laughs) (laughs) yeah just a little bit different (laughs) have you ever done that i don't think so i think i've done it not to a boss but i think i've done it to someone else okay on accident um definition two we're on to the twos now oh boy boy. (laughs) we're getting there uh a warm attachment enthusiasm or devotion such as the love of a sea love of the sea so mm-hmm. love of an object basically is kind of the 
blanket that this thing covers. Yep. Uh, just like I would say, I love looking at a clear night sky and seeing all the stars. Mm-hmm. Obviously very different than a romantic or sexual desire love. Yes, very different. And also different from any sort of kinship or family or boss. Yep. <laughs> I do not love my boss the same way I love looking at the <laughs> night sky. <laughs> I don't know, but there might be some people out there who get the same emotions looking at those things, but I don't know why. (laughs) All right, definition 4A2, the brotherly concern for others. Hmm. So this one is a little bit hard to distinguish between the kinship one, I think. I think this is the first time we've gotten to something that feels very similar to one of the other definitions. Mm -hmm. I think this one other also covers... Like the love of your fellow human, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's a, uh, hey, you and I are on the same planet, the same world. We're all going through the same stuff. I have a brotherly connection to you because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is the type of love that helps you want to help someone when you just see someone in need. Yes. Um, Even if there may be no other reason that you are connected to them. Right. Um, the bottom line is that everyone has a connection to each other mm-hmm. based on the fact that you're all humans. Yeah. I hope. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we have some lizard people listening. True. All right. The last definition is definition 4B, which is the love of God, which I think is a whole other subject Yeah. in general. But obviously, I do not. Once again, I can't speak for everyone, but I do not want a romantic relationship with the Lord in terms of yeah um, many things <laughs> yeah I also uh, I don't see myself as as thinking of God the same way I think of my boss true although there may be similarities there may be similarities it is not the same thing some bosses have God complexes <laughs> true in which case there's probably very little love of that boss also possible yeah So I felt like this was a good subject to talk about over Christmas and the holidays due Mm -hmm. to the fact that you're with a lot of family and friends, hopefully. And I'd like to challenge our listeners to think about what kind of love you have for the different persons and things in your lives. Mm -hmm. And it's not always just one, obviously. True. Yes. Um, It's also a good thing to keep in mind when you are having any kind of struggles with maybe some of those family members or friends Mm -hmm. or loved ones is think about, yeah, thanks. Is think about what the source of your love for them is and what that means to you. Mm -hmm. That's just a friendly PSA, I think. Yeah. I think that's a very good way to wrap up the subject. Wrap it up with a nice little bow. Give it to someone for Christmas. Exactly. You know what I would want for Christmas, Isaac? My two front teeth. No, but... I was not expecting that. <laughs> I would love a fun fact from you for ah, Christmas. Ah, okay. Well, I actually do have a, a fun fact. So you're in luck. So I recently learned that Mariah Carey has made about $60 million from the song All I Want for Christmas is You. And it took her approximately 15 minutes to write that song. So that means in the time that you listen to this podcast, Mariah Carey made way more money than you ever will. (laughs) That is both a fun fact and a disheartening fact. (laughs) 
Sorry about it. Thank you for that. Yep. All right. I have a holiday adjacent subject as well. Okay. Christmas time is a common time of year for a lot of movies to be released. It is. Yes. Um, there are quite a few blockbusters coming out this season that uh, I've already seen a couple and I have, there are a couple that I'm going to go to. So I would like to talk about different kinds of movies and why people enjoy them. And I thought this would be an interesting subject uh, additionally because you and I have different uh, sort of values yeah. when it comes to movies. Yes, we do. Which is kind of why I like going to movies with you. I go to a movie with Isaac and we leave and Isaac's always like, that was a movie? Nice. <laughs> yep. I am satisfied. <laughs> yep. It could be like the worst movie ever, which is probably that one with the eels. <laughs> oh my gosh. That... Don't watch Which I am going to talk about. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. (laughs) A little bit. Not the plot, but like why certain people like those kinds of movies. Okay. Um, Whereas I think, I don't think this is the right way to say it, but I have higher standards with movies sometimes. Yes. Sometimes I will leave a movie and I'll be like, I wish I didn't see that. Or um, I think they could have done this better or this better or this better or this Mm -hmm. better. But I try to be... um, just aware of the fact that I do enjoy going to see movies, even if I don't think it's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm going to talk about. Um, the first, I sort of have like three categories okay. of uh, a movie type that is likable and why they're likable. Okay. Uh, the first one is what I call, the first type of movie is what I call the predictable resolution. Hallmark. Uh, that was the first thing on my list <laughs> is sappy romances yeah which are uh best characterized as hallmark movies mm-hmm. um and many other rom-coms yes you go to watch those movies you're you're not gonna get surprised you know it's gonna happen you are there because you know it's gonna happen and you know you're gonna like what's ha- what's gonna happen mm-hmm. you'll be satisfied with the resolution yes yeah this is a feel good movie is mm-hmm. another way i would put it um Another type of movie I would group into this type would be action movies, Mm. like cheesy action movies, stuff like um, one of my favorite types of movies, actually. Okay. Um, Stuff like Speed Racer Mm. and Pacific Rim. Okay. Those movies have like zero budget in their plot. (laughs) And you know the good guy is going to show up, do something really cool, beat the bad guy. Everybody's happy. Yeah. That's the reason why I'm very... I don't enjoy, like, Hallmark and rom-coms very much, Mm -hmm. but I'm very understanding of why people do. Yeah. Because I'm like, I like action movies. (laughs) It's basically the same thing. Yep. And I think the reason people enjoy them so much is because uh, life is chaotic, Mm -hmm. you know? You don't know what's going to happen in real life, so it's nice to go to a movie where you're like, I know that I can relax because I know everything's going to go well. Yeah. Everything's going to be nice and happy. Mm Mm-hmm. But that obviously isn't always the type of movie that people prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, I could also put some a lot of horror movies in this category. Yeah. You know, the main character is probably going to do something dumb. And it's probably going to cause them great harm. And something eventually, probably many times, is going to jump out and scare you. Yeah. You know those things are going to happen. It's predictable. A correlation of this to music is that... Sometimes you just like a good 12-bar blues. It doesn't have to be a fancy song. Just play like the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... A, a I, very basic melody with chords that don't change. Yep. Yep. 
All right, the second type of movie I'd like to talk about is what I wrote down as the mind activator. <laughs> <laughs> this is the big brain movies or something uh, that where okay. you actually, you know, you probably want to think while mm-hmm. you're watching it. Uh, these are movies with like big plot twists yeah, where you have to remember stuff that happened previously in the movie to fully uh, understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example would be Knives Out, mm. yep. if you've seen that movie. I have. Uh, I would highly recommend most of these movies that I talk about. Mm-hmm. One of them I will not recommend. <laughs> um, but these movies like to keep you guessing, yeah. um, to keep your audience engaged. You you go to these movies to to think. Uh, whereas the previous ones, you kind of go to the movies to stop thinking. Yeah. Uh, a lot of just general mystery movies like Orient Express mm-hmm. and classic whodunits um, fall into this category, as well as some thrillers like to yeah. be a little, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Keep you guessing. I don't know if this is about to be a scary scene, a weird scene, or this is just genuinely a good scene to put you at ease for the scary scene later. Mm-hmm. Uh, good examples of this would be 12 Cloverfield Lane, mm, yeah. which is very just suspense ridden because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, another one is a cure for wellness. Oh my gosh. The movie Isaac and I saw together and probably will never see again. I hope I never see that again. Um, so <laughs> I would just like to preface this. Um, I think this fits into this category very well. It was, it came out while I was working at the movie theater and we went to watch it because one of my coworkers watched it and his only comment was that was the weirdest thing I have ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind when I think of that movie. Yeah. It was it was a very interesting movie. I actually enjoyed it a lot until the end. I yeah. The end it's just it was a very not appropriate movie. And it, yes. it made me sad. I didn't expect so. it to be inappropriate in the ways that it was. Yes. Yeah. We will, we will leave it <laughs> at that. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, leave it to your imagination. That may not be the best place to leave it, but true. just, just don't worry about it. You'll don't be worry about it. Yeah. Yep. I will move on to the next type of movie. Inappropriate means many different things. It does. And maybe that should be an episode. Yeah, I was going to say that could be one of our main topics sometime, yeah. honestly. Honestly, it could be. Um... The last type I'd like to talk about is the believable. Okay. Um, and this is most nonfiction movies. Okay. Um, this is a movie you go to to have a story told to you, mm. and you're just following along to a story. Yeah. It's not trying to. It's not always trying to evoke a huge emotion in you mm-hmm. or surprise you. You especially nonfiction movies they yeah. shouldn't surprise you that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but a good example of this is uh, many documentary movies or movies like The Darkest Hour, which is about the life of Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a lot of historical fiction would okay. also fall into this. Um, not like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> um, I, I would not put that in the believable category. Yeah. But uh, like many Wild West movies that mm-hmm. aren't the cheesy spaghetti western where something does a crazy ridiculous shot where it's just about people living in the west before yeah um it was a a stable place (laughs) um and something i put in here would actually be baby driver i think baby driver everything that happens in it i think is believable what makes it feel fantastical Mm -hmm. is that is the audio 
Yeah, yeah, the soundtrack to that movie is incredible. Yeah. If you take out the soundtrack, first of all, the I would like it a lot less. <laughs> yeah. But it would just be like a believable movie about a guy who's in the middle of a bunch of stuff that he wants to get out of. Yeah. Um, and they don't ever do anything ridiculously crazy with the cars, no, which I don't. kind of expected out of that movie. I was like, mm. they're going to do some cheesy action movie stuff. They, no. they don't. No, nope. there are a couple of drifts, a couple like things that would be difficult, yeah. but nothing that's like unbelievable yeah we're not watching fast and furious yes exactly <laughs> um and it, there are quite a few as i mentioned i like action movies a lot mm -hmm. there are quite a few action movies that are on this side of the spectrum i either like an action movie that's ridiculously cheesy and i don't care anything about or mm -hmm. it, there's almost like an uncanny valley <laughs> yeah in between that and like a very realistic one the a movie like american assassin or some of the john wick movies mm -hmm are very realistic with action sequences mm -hmm. that they do. And a lot of uh, fantasy movies that are just set, or medieval era movies that are just set back in that period mm -hmm. like to be realistic. Uh, one last thing I'd like to mention, unless you have any closing thoughts, are nope. that uh, there, I laid out three types of movies, but obviously not all movies are in these three types. <laughs> True. And some movies can be in multiple types. For example, yeah. The Accountant, uh, which mm. is a great movie. Yeah. I would put in the category or the type of believable. Yeah. Um, but also a, a brain activator. Yeah. Because definitely. it you, you keep, you're like, I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a believable story. Mm-hmm. And a good one. Yeah, it is. I'd recommend it. Unfortunately for me, I liked it a lot the first time I watched it. And I watched it again. And it, it lost, like, its mind-bending capabilities yes. on me because I already knew the ending. So it's a fantastic one-time movie. Um, and that is, an, a, that is a, uh, a quintessential con of the mind-activator movies, yes. usually, is usually there's rewatchability, like, one or two times, maybe mm -hmm. two times after you watch it the initial time. But then after that, you're not, you don't have to think anymore because you've already thought about everything yep. that they're challenging you to think about. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hallmark or action movies, you can just put that on repeat. The, the all point the time. of the Hallmark is to know the ending. So if you already know the ending, that's not that, a problem. Nothing has changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very that, cool. I think that was a nice breakdown of of some types of movies. Thank um, you. I guess I do have one closing thought though. So Joe is is very into like thinking intensely and intently about the movies that he watches while he's watching yes. them. However, if I am watching a movie that is not a mind bender. Mm -hmm. regardless of if it fits into <laughs> either of those two categories or something else mm -hmm. i don't care i'm i'm just yeah. there to have a good <laughs> you time. just like check out <laughs> <laughs> so um unless they did a bad job at a mind bender i almost certainly will enjoy the movie yep so which which i like because i enjoy a lot of movies so. right when you and i go to movies together it's the reason we go together is because I need the full brain cell <laughs> yeah. and you don't want it. Yeah. So, so he can have it all to himself. Yep. Yeah. Even, even the cheesy action movies, I'm probably still thinking way more than I need to be mm -hmm. <laughs> just about the shots and like the different angles and the CGI and whatever else. But yep. That's just the way I am. It makes it, uh, sometimes a little frustrating to watch movies with me. Uh, if you're not used to that, mm. I would say. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our special Christmas episode. I hope you spend today watching some some Christmas movies such as The Polar Express, um, Home mm. Alone. Uh, don't watch Elf. That's a terrible movie. 
Oh, boo. <laughs> I'm on the other side of that, but okay. <laughs> and um, Die Hard, the classic Christmas classic movie. Classic Christmas movie. And so um, if you don't watch one of those, that's okay. I still hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Happy New Year. If you listen to this sometime after it releases, I hope you have a good day. Whatever that day may be. <laughs> um, and with that, see ya.